You're listening to episode 66 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Today on the podcast, I've got another article from the blog for you. A few months ago, I published an article about Samson. The article is entitled, Why Every Millennial Man Should Reread the Samson Story. I've spent a lot of time thinking about the Samson story, and I think the topics in this post resonate with so much of the conversation I've been having around the blog concerning identity. I hope this one means as much to you as it does to me, and as always, thanks for listening. From Flannery O'Connor, the Catholic novelist in the Protestant South, the modern hero is the outsider. His experience is rootless. He can go anywhere. He belongs nowhere. Being alien to nothing, he ends up being alienated from any type of community based on common tastes and interests. The borders of his country are the sides of his skull. We are facing an epidemic of discontentment and disillusionment amongst men, particularly those like myself, millennials. We've been told our entire lives that you can be anything you want to be. But by 30, the truth has finally started to set in. It's not entirely true, at least not the way we imagined it would be. Rose Hackman, in an article entitled, As Millennials Were All in Dire Straits, But I Worry Most About Our Men, writes about a close friend wrestling with his own feelings of discontentment. She recounts, He picked up a discarded, almost empty beer can and chugged. He talked about his parents, about how stuck he felt in his job, how he felt he couldn't see a way out. He spoke of inequality and broken dreams in this country and how useless he felt as an adult. None of his musings were self-pitying indulgence or narcissistic. His complaints and analysis all rang true. Millennials living in the United States do not need statistics to tell us how false the American dream is. We know it from our guts. What's false about the American dream? What's false about the American dream isn't the lack of possibility to become what you want to be. That's more possible at this moment in America than almost any other time or place in the past. What's false is that possibility is the highest value. What's false is that possibility can deliver on a meaningful identity. What's false is that we need possibility to know ourselves. Possibility is all about control, a kind of freedom that comes with no responsibility. It's the expectation that we can choose our own way of being, and we are obsessed with what it could be, who we could be. Though the endless availability of options means we're never quite done choosing. When we start to feel uncomfortable with who we are or how our life is developing, we go looking for new options. We start looking for alternatives. Our culture's obsession with consumerism has convinced us we can choose our way out of any crisis. We find new role models, we buy new vehicles, we daydream about new relationships. We live in a world that offers more of these options than ever before. Choose who to love, choose what to do, choose a new career, choose a new place to live, choose who to follow, choose who to hang out with. Choose what brands to buy. Choose a profile image. Choose a better filter for that profile image. Choose what kind of man you want to be. We think we can choose our way to discovering an identity. We think we can keep choosing and continue to refine our destiny. The great enemy of our day is any restriction on our free choosing, parents, government, or God himself. Expectations and commitments are the constraint that threaten the free choice and the potential of who we're hoping to become. Too often, millennials get a bad rap for this self-absorption, but it's hardly just a millennial quality. Self-interest is as old as the garden. The sin just continues to peculiarly manifest itself in each new generation. For my grandparents, it was in reputation and social position. For my parents, it was cars and homes and vacations. 
For millennials, it seems to be purpose, adventure, and individuality. Each generation has its way of scaffolding out a desire into corresponding identity and working to achieve that ideal design. For millennials, the project is the adventure of self-discovery. Individuality and the pursuit of your own way has become the new hero's journey in our culture. There's no calling higher than self-discovery. There's no greater adventure than the pursuit of originality. Conformity is death and cowardice. Finding your identity is the hope of salvation to know and be who you could be. Take, for instance, Steve Jobs' words. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and your intuition. Your destiny lies within you. Last year, my family went to Disney World. The Magic Kingdom has an incredible light and fireworks show. Thousands of people were packed around the castle watching, and the technology is magic. Laser lights, fireworks, music, and video projection bring the whole castle turrets and walls to life with this pantheon of Disney heroes. My three-year-old son sat on my shoulders in awe, and to be honest, I was in awe. Disney is a master of storytelling. They can move the hearts of grown men and toddlers alike. I listened as the narrator pieced together the show's songs and animation with these words. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we are brave enough to listen, bold enough to pursue it, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we are meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Your destiny lies within you. You just have to be brave enough to see it. Your identity lies within your heart's desires. That's the message. You cannot underestimate how much of life is now driven by that pursuit. The pursuit of who you uniquely are is the American dream. It motivates what you put on Instagram, how you describe yourself in your Twitter bio, the brands that you associate with, the logos that cling on the back window of your car. It is sold in marketing and promoted by celebrities and preached by too many pastors. To become who you can be, you have to embrace your desires above every other presumption. Or, to put it more millennially, you do you. But there's one big problem with this philosophy. Your heart will inevitably betray you. The problem, who in the world understands their own heart's desires? For Disney, it always seems clear. But in life, our hearts are a mixed bag of half-baked passions and a war of conflicting desires. Worse, our desires are malleable and easily manipulated by propaganda and sin. Trusting our hearts, what we actually experience is explained much better by Francis Spufford. He wrote this, You glimpse an unflattering vision of yourself as a being whose wants make no sense, don't harmonize, whose desires deep down are discordantly arranged, so that you truly want to possess and you truly want not to at the very same time. You're equipped, you realize, for farce or even tragedy more than you are for happy endings. Or, as the biblical prophet Jeremiah put it, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I need you to realize what you are attempting to do. You are trusting your heart to produce an identity. You are hoping that passion will guide you to meaning. You are ignoring what we all know. Your heart is as confused in its desires as you are in trying to follow it. The Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy had a good analogy for what I'm trying to describe. He once wrote, Had I been like a man living in a wood from which he knew there was no exit, I could have lived. But I was like one lost in a wood, who, horrified at having lost his way, 
rushes about wishing to find the road. He knows that each step he takes confuses him more and more, but still he can't help rushing about. Your heart is an insufficient place to go looking for who you are. Your heart can't guide you out of the woods, and there are consequences of tempting to build towers on the shifting sands of your heart's desires. The unacknowledged problem is that all of this depends on you knowing what you actually want. It depends on your heart's desires being something you can actually understand and articulate back to yourself. It depends on you making sense to yourself, which is really laughable. Most days, I can't decide if I want cashew or sweet and sour chicken at the China Chef drive through window, so good luck deciding who you want to be 50 years from now. If Jeremiah is right and no one can truly understand their own heart or its twisted tangle of desires— then placing our hope for an identity on it seems like a flimsy proposition. What a flannel board failed to teach you about Samson. Enter the character Samson. Outside the Grand Palace in Peterhof, Russia, sits one of the great statues of Samson. It's a fountain cast in gold, depicting a chiseled, shirtless Samson ripping apart the jaws of a roaring lion with his bare hands. Samson looks Herculean. You can almost hear the popping and cracking of the lion's jawbones buckling under Samson's strength. The whole scene is suspended in tension. Samson looks every part the hero. Like the sultriest of Greek gods, Samson gives form to courage and brawn. This is the kind of guy they put on covers of Harlequin novels. Samson is everything a man might imagine becoming. I like to imagine Samson in Ray-Bans with a man bun and a CrossFit t-shirt, hiking through some remote redstone canyon, documenting his adventurous life on Instagram. He's the model man, driven by passion and a restless desire for adventure and romance. He was fascinated with the seductive nature of Philistia and the risk of roaming into enemy territory, only making it all the more adventurous. Samson's story in so many ways is the millennial story. Pursue your desires and individuality against any expectation that would hold you back. Your true self is out there on the horizon. Seize it. Don't let your parents' stuffy traditions or your community's prudish tendencies hold you back. And so Samson charted his own course, off into the sunset, his heart beating with the adrenaline of passion and possibility. Samson pursued his desires with all of his heroic God-given talent, honestly believing that his heart's desires would lead him to greatness, but it only quickened his ruin. He would end up bound— eyes gouged out, forced into slave labor in the temple of the Philistine god Dagon. His ultimate destination was the furthest imaginable experience from the ideal that drove his pursuit of it. His desire cost him the very thing that compelled him in the beginning. Betrayed by love, by his own people, by the Philistines he so admired, and by his own strength, his failure wasn't ultimately entrusting Delilah with his secret. It was not trusting God with his identity. Ultimately, it wasn't just Delilah who betrayed him. Samson was betrayed by his own heart's desires. This is the massive warning about how many of us are pursuing our identity. If you read Samson's story carefully, you will discover so much of your own life. Samson's story became life-changing in this way for me. I watched as he struggled to pay attention to the Spirit's work, constantly distracted by his desires. I read closely as he suffered under the disillusionment of a life that seemed always to be off the rails. I found myself just as confused by his constantly broken relationships as he seemed to be in breaking them. I watched his restlessness give way to broken vows and suddenly recognized my own wayward tendencies. That is the way we read Samson's story well. 
His life is no easier to understand than our own. Like Samson, we all live in the constant ambiguity of dead ends, false starts, unfulfilled dreams, and disappointments. But learning to read Samson's story helps us to acquire the skills to read and understand our own story. Here are the tools of discernment that we really need. This story was the means of piecing together my story, and I think it provides the tools most other millennial men are missing as well. You already have what you need. What we discover from the Samson story is that an identity cannot be achieved. It must be received. Who you are becoming is not something you are very good at leading. Far better, you develop the skills of discernment to recognize what God is leading. Who you are has more to do with what you receive, the work God has already begun in the pedestrian place you're already living in, than it does in the someday that you might obtain or dream. As one writer explained to his students, If your everyday life seems poor, don't blame it, blame yourself. Admit to yourself that you're not enough a poet to call forth its riches, because for the Creator, there is no poverty and no poor indifferent place. We have lost our discipline of discernment, gratitude, stillness, and contentment, and we're paying the consequences for it. We have reaped lives of disillusionment, discontentment, uncertainty, and anxiety. But you can stop. It's what the Bible calls Sabbath, a deliberate act of checking your own ambitions, taking your hands off of your identity, and paying closer attention to what is already around you, recognizing that there's a greater hero that forms your hope, that salvation, like your identity, is received by grace. The adventure you have been looking for isn't somewhere out there on the horizon, but right here, around your kitchen table, reading books with your kids in bed, learning to love your wife through difficult times, faithfully serving in a community through work and worship, making it your ambition to lead a quiet life, as Paul would advise. What you have been looking for, the passion, the calling, the adventure, is already in front of you. You have everything you need to become who you're already on the way to becoming. You have God, and as Samson discovered, one single moment of faith is enough to reorient an entire life, to receive a new identity. Samson's story is a treasure trove of human emotions and failed dreams, dulled discernment, painful consequences, confused conclusions, and yet still remarkable, life-giving grace. Right now, we need this story desperately, and we need it reminded to us regularly. So go read it, reread it, pay closer attention to Samson, and I think you'll discover what I did. Or in the words of C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, there must be a real giving up of self. You must throw it away, blindingly to speak. Christ will indeed give you a real personality, but you must not go to him for the sake of that. As long as your own personality is what you are bothering about, you are not going to him at all. The first step is to try to forget about the self altogether. Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life, and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, Everything else thrown in. 
As always, you can find a link to today's article by visiting the show notes for this episode at pastorwriter.com slash 66. I'd love to get your feedback on the article, so stop by Facebook or Twitter, send me a message, and let me know your thoughts. I love being able to interact with the ideas from these episodes in the blog. As always, I just wanted to say thanks again for listening. Until next time.